A note before this episode, there is mention of suicide. Please listen with care. And another bottle of wine and then another bottle of wine. Their behavior would change and people would get angry. You know, somebody would throw a glass. My mother would get hit by the glass. She'd be bleeding. Mm. And I, at that time, even, I, I mean, it was very young, you know, eight years old, I decided I was going to be the person, the fix it person. Mm. So I would wake, I would get myself up. I would hear that it was quiet. I would go downstairs and I would clean up the mess that my family had made. I would clean up the broken glass and the blood and the dishes from the party. And, and I would sit there, you know, and I would be cleaning up and I had this cat named Kitsy who would watch me from a little hole in the wall. And I remember thinking, if I can clean this up, there's a chance that when we wake up in the morning, we can be normal and everybody will be happy. Do you remember the show E! True Hollywood Story? It was a zeitgeisty biography show in the 90s. It was awesome. And I remember watching the documentary on Margot Hemingway. Margot is the famed actress and model who sadly succumbed to drugs and mental illness at the age of 41. And I was always taken by the iconic and legendary Hemingway family. The devastation, the loss, the addiction, the history of mental illness. Not to mention their immeasurable talent and creativity oozing out of every pore of every family member. And over the years, I've watched her Academy Award-nominated sister, Mariel Hemingway, who has been in so many movies and pictures. You probably recognize her name. You definitely recognize her face. And I've watched her become a fierce advocate for mental health reform, suicide prevention, and break the generational pattern of addiction by taking a more accessible and healthier approach. And she has taken on the task of creating a foundation aptly titled the Mariel Hemingway Foundation that seeks to help individuals navigate a more customized approach to mental health and get people the care they really need. I was really grateful for the work Mariel is doing and for taking the time to talk to us about how to take better control of our health. And I wanted to also quickly thank Paula Davis, who has pledged her support for this podcast at the Culture Changer level at patreon.com forward slash culture changers. Paula, you are truly my girl and I just love you. Here is my chat with a great Mariel Hemingway. I am so excited to welcome Mariel Hemingway, the legendary Academy Award nominated actress. Mariel, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I don't know if people know what you've been up to. Some people may be familiar with the, the lineage and the family story or have known you as an actress. You you have you wear a lot of hats, I would say, in your life. And so <laughs> I wonder if you could maybe give a, a synopsis of where you came from. I mean, you're the granddaughter of Ernest Hemingway. You've got a legendary family. Your sister is Margot Hemingway. But you have a, a, a dynasty that is one of the great American families that is known to have what they call a curse. I think you look at it in a different way. But I'd love to understand a little bit more about where you came from. And then we'll dive in. Okay. No problem. Um, well, yes, I I grew up, you know, I've always been a Hemingway. I never knew what it was like to be anything but a Hemingway. <laughs> um, but I grew up in Idaho, and my grandfather was Ernest Hemingway. Uh, so I had this kind of legendary kind of heritage that was looming in our family. And I think because of the grandeur of my grandfather's kind of notoriety and, and talent and creativity and, you know, and personality and persona and all that stuff, there, it, it was a tremendous burden over this, over the entire family, especially my father and his brothers, you know, to be the son of one of the greatest writers of the 20th century. 
is a daunting and difficult thing to do. It, and I think it created for my father, you know, he, he drank too much. He did everything to, you know, it was kind of how he was brought up, but I think it was a way to self-medicate and avoid, avoid the pain and the feeling of disappointment and probably a, a, a father who was not the most present, you know, Ernest Hemingway was probably not the most present dad in the world. You know, I think that there was some disconnect uh, owing to his own family history. His father had taken his life. His mother was very difficult and very challenging his entire life. So there's all these things, you know, it, it, and to me, it's, um, I don't, I don't suffer under that. I don't think that I come from a curse, but it took me a lot of years to understand that you can change your trajectory in life. You can change the way you appear in the world and to the world by the choices that you make. Um, and it's kind of interesting because we were talking and, and, and you're talking about you know, actually the way to shift the way people are, are in your community, in your life is by changing yourself, by mm. looking at yourself and taking care of yourself and really owning where you come from, what you have done, taking responsibility for the habits that you've had, taking responsibilities for, for choosing things that came from your family. So anyway, that is kind of why I was always on a, on a life, I, I had a life course of really trying to become healthier and happier, but you know, I didn't always do the right things. <laughs> I yeah. did a lot of crazy things. I, you know, I've, I've, I, whereas my sisters were like, they drank and they, and my, and took drugs and did all kinds of things. My uh, middle sister, Margot took her life. My oldest sister had uh, schizophrenia and and still suffers schizophrenia and 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 you know mental illness. So my thing was to be as healthy as possible, but I was so extreme that I turned healthy things into actually unhealthy things. You yeah. Know? But now I found an incredible balance, um, and I and I think that that's why I've come to where I am in my life is that I want to. I created a foundation for mental health, but it's really about lifestyle. It's really about how are you living your life? How, what are the choices you're making every day? How do you eat? How do you wake up in the morning? What are your thoughts? Do you take time for stillness or meditation? Do you pray? Do you, what, what, and, and not as judgment and not as like, oh, you need to do this. It's just, are you paying attention to every aspect of your life in order for that aspect of your life to make you more present? Um, because when it comes to mental illness, I really do believe that we can be a part of the solution. Um, it doesn't mean that nobody needs medication or therapy or anything like that. It just means if you take responsibility for your part in it, which is everything you do, then your ability to find recovery, and I believe there is recovery for mental illness, uh, it's just about finding that niche that works for you. That was a very long answer. No, I think <laughs> I think what's interesting Sorry. about this is I keep thinking about the cultural shift. So when you talked about your father being under, father and his brothers being under legend, you know, legendary uh, American writer that really changed the literary world. But also at the time, talking about it, therapy, I mean, for a man, you just didn't do that. And so no. I imagine like you have been an advocate in the suicide prevention for decades. And you, ha I'm, a, I'm assuming, have come across some unbelievable stories of tragedy, of despair, and to make the choice to kind of go in this world of people that are really suffering from mental health, where I do think there is a paradigm shift here, and you have, have actively chosen, I know there are a lot of people that are listening, and what I found so relatable about you is that 
you have access to some little small things that could really, really change the trajectory of your life. But at what point did you decide, I I need to choose a different path? I mean, there's addiction in your family, there's depression, there's anxiety, and there's a lot of misinformation about what is going to happen, meaning, is it hereditary? Is it something that I'm just doomed because of the environment of where I grew up? And so at some point you made a conscious choice. Do you know when that is? Was it gradual or did something happen? Well, I think that I made a a, a fair, a, a pretty conscious choice very early on. I mean, when I what was- What is very child, early on? When I was a child, when I was seven, eight years old, I watched my family, especially my parents, have, you know, get togethers or drink a bottle of wine, which pretty much happened every night, and another bottle of wine, and then another bottle of wine. And their behavior would change, and people would get angry, and, you know, somebody would throw a glass, my mother would get hit by the glass, she'd be bleeding. Mm. And I... At that time, even, I I mean, I was very young, you know, eight years old. I decided I was going to be the person, the fix it person. Mm. So I would wake, I would get myself up. I would hear that it was quiet. I would go downstairs and I would clean up the mess that my family had made. I would clean up the broken glass and the blood and the dishes from the party and, you know, whatever. And I, I, I would sit there you know, and I would be cleaning up and I had this cat named Kitsy who would watch me from a little hole in the wall. And I, I remember thinking if I can clean this up, there's a chance that when we wake up in the morning, we can be normal and everybody will be happy. And Mm. we, I can remove all trace that this even happened. And I think there's a lot of people out there that chose as children to fix, right? Yes, you know, I can imagine that's really relatable. Child. Yeah. yeah. And and so I I made that choice. I made that choice to be the fixer in the family. Now, was it right? No. I shouldn't have been making that choice at 7 8 years old and on on to 16. But, you know, it was the choice I made. It also led me to making choices about my my wellness. I didn't want to. I was actually f- very fearful when I, when I did that movie that I co-produced with uh, Oprah Winfrey called Running From Crazy. The reason I did it is because I spent a tremendous amount of my life being fearful that I would end up mm-hmm. with a mental illness and I wouldn't even know where it came. It came out of the blue. So I was on this, like, I was trying to dodge it. I didn't really know how, but I thought being healthy would probably be the best choice. Now, my being healthy was oftentimes obsessive. I was obsessive compulsive. I, I shouldn't use that term loosely because people that are really suffer from OCD are, it's, it's very serious, but I was definitely, you know, I, I had to be ordered. I had to be in control. I ate a certain way. I did things a certain way. My life was very ordered. Um, but I over-exercised. I had an eating disorder. I was I was a mess, basically. But <laughs> it was a better... Sorry, here's my puppy. Who's she that cute puppy? <laughs> this is Daisy. This is my baby. Adorable. Um, anyway... <laughs> she uh anyway uh i made these choices because i because i kept thinking there it's going to make me healthier it's going to make me a better person it's going to whatever now over the years and by the time i hit my mid 40s and i was i ha- i was leaving my uh first husband and you know our our marriage was falling apart i realized wait a second I am doing this in an, in an extreme way. I'm not finding balance, right? This is, even though I was meditating, I was doing yoga, I was still trying to control everything. When I, when I met my current partner, my, my life partner now, we've been together for 14 He's years. He's so cute. Uh, he is so cute. Is Both so of cute. you guys are so, He's so cute. cute. 
He's, you'd never know that man was 60 or he's about to be 60. Um, I'm 60. <laughs> anyway, like he's amazing. But he brought this child, childlike curiosity back into my life. He introduced me to a balanced way of eating, um, exercising in a way that, you know, just brought sense to all of it. And by doing things in a more balanced way, the obsessive thoughts of trying to control went away. I mean, I no mm. longer am like that. I don't have an eating disorder. I'm not obsessive about things. I'm really way more balanced. I love my body. I love the way that I choose my life every day. And it changes all the time. That's what's very curious about this whole journey of life and finding one's own balance, mental, physical, emotional, and spiritual is that it is a journey that you must address daily. It's not something that's like, oh, I found it, here I am. It's like, you know, and, and when you talk about any kind of spirituality, the people that are the most inspiring are the ones that never, they never feel as though they're there. They're always yearning, they're always on the journey. They're always looking for more. How can I be better? How can I be healthier? How can I be more aware? So it's 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 very interesting. I remember watching your documentary, Running From Crazy. And I, I also struggled with disordered eat, eating. My mother was really heavy. And I did everything to oppose that, right? Like I overworked right. out, had yeah. body dysmorphia, all of that. And I remember, I remember watching running, running from crazy a few years ago, and I was in a really high stress corporate sales job. And I'm a mother and a wife, and um, always have a lot of stuff going on, including this podcast and and the blog. I remember watching it and seeing you in, I think it was Idaho, in the mountains, and earthing. And so you're a big proponent of earthing, which is. Yes. You know, walking barefoot on, on the earth. And I don't, I have to do a little sidebar. I don't know how you hike barefoot, but we'll go back to that. But I remember thinking, oh my goodness. Wow. That would be amazing if I could just really give myself permission to go out and walk or go out yes. and give myself that time. And so I wanted to address that with you because you do have the luxury of having, you know, of, of creating your lifestyle in a way that you are always accessible to nature. I live in the city. So I imagine other people may see that and say, my life is so busy. How do I, how do I get a taste of that? And I will say right. that I think about you every time I go out earthing. And so it has helped, but I imagine other people may ask you, Mariel, it's nice for you. It's nice that you can go to the mountains and do that. But how do you recommend people start? Well, first of all, let me tell you why I do it. Earthing, what happens when you have your bare feet on the earth or you sit, or you sit on a chair and just have your feet in the grass, right? Or on a bench, right? You don't have to go out walking. Um, it's nice to be able to do that. And I'm fortunate to be able to do that. And I've worked it up, you know, it wasn't always easy. It hurt in the beginning. <laughs> I was like, ah, you know, what's that? How do you hike that? barefoot? Anyway, yeah. <laughs> I just, you know, you do it. Bobby got me started and we just started and he did it. And he said that it would Doesn't be it okay. Does it hurt your feet? It, at first it, it can be challenging, but then you build up. I mean, remember when you were a kid and you were outside and you were always barefoot and, yeah. you know, you never didn't even, even think about you it. You didn't care. Anyway, right. it, it gets to that point where you don't feel it in the same kind of way. Now, yeah. nobody's asking you to go out on a trail where there are rocks or, <laughs> or bushes or whatever, which I do. Nobody's asking you to do that. But earthing, going out into a park, going to your backyard, even going to cement. Now, not blacktop. So not on blacktop, but you can do it on cement with a little bit of dampness to the cement. So there was somebody, and I'm going to do a sidebar. There was somebody, a friend of mine who, uh, I was looking through Instagram and it was a friend and he was doing this video and he was super depressed. It was like his story or something. And I was like, 
oh my God. I contacted him immediately and I said, please do me a favor. I want you to go outside right now. I don't care if it's raining. He lived in Portland, right? It was raining. It was cold. It was whatever. I said, you've got to take your shoes off. I want, even if it's just the cement, the rain is perfect because that will make it, um, you know, it, it, it will make it conductive. I want you to stand out in the rain. If there's a window of sunshine, God bless it. It will, I want you to look up at the sun, even if if it's the middle of the day with your eyes closed. And I said, I want you to get back to me. I said, I want you to spend a half an hour out there. Please do this. Well, he called me back and he was like, you know, a couple of hours later. And he said, that's blowing my mind. I was so depressed. I feel Mm. so much better. So what happens is there's electromagnetic field from the earth that comes up from the earth, right? Usually from dirt or grass or this, what have you. It can come up through cement. If there is a little bit of dampness to the cement, then it's conductive, right? You want that conductivity. And we have uh, 3,000 pores underneath our our feet and um, maybe 30,000. I don't know. I Bobby always gets a lot. the numbers right. I get the yeah, numbers yeah, yeah. There's a lot. And that the, that frequency comes up into your body and gets rid of inflammation. So not only will it fr- rid you of body inflammation, organs, what have you, it will get rid of brain inflammation, neuroinflammation. Neuroinflammation is the reason people get anxiety. and I mean, one of the reasons, right? So if you can earth, if you can literally get your feet on the earth and you can sit on a bench in a park and just put your feet on the earth, right? Now, when it's winter, you're in the city and there's like, I'm not going out and taking yeah, my yeah, shoes yeah. off. You, There are products. Uh, there's a company called Earthing, earthing.com, and they sell like, uh, you know, like mats for your mattress mats that you put right underneath your fitted sheet and so you can sleep grounded right and i've got like i've got these little mats that when i'm sitting at my desk i put my bare feet on them and i can be grounded or you can put the mat underneath your computer so that you can be grounded because all of our technology in the world that we live in kind of takes away from all for our ability to be connected to the earth and the earth's circadian rhythm and frequency which is called schumann frequency is a natural and rhythmic frequency that helps us in every aspect of our lives it helps balance the circadian rhythm i mean there's so many benefits to being uh to being grounded, literally being grounded, it clears your brain, it clears brain fog, and it gets rid of pain. And, and, you know, not every, you know, like, don't call me up and like, I got, you know, I did all this, and I didn't, all my pain didn't go away. It helps. All of these things help. And that's Mm -hmm. why I talk about lifestyle. And, and so it's not, something that you have to be like, hardcore, like me, you know, like I'm, I'm competitive with Bobby, so I'm going to absolutely learn how to, how to ground. And I have gone out in the snow. It was a big mistake. <laughs> Makes your feet really cold. It you are stupid. hardcore. But anyway. But I think there's, some, but I think there's anyway. something you're talking about that's really, really important that I don't know if people have kind of put two and two together. And that is that... I think as a society, people become very disconnected from their body. They're mad at their body because it's not the shape that they want or they feel bad or something like that. And, you know, it's really easy to take a pill to drink, you know, sometimes the pain of just being where you are, whether that's mental, emotional, physical, is too much. And it's easy to dissociate and disconnect from your body. And so it sounds like to me that you're trying to figure out how do we reconnect from our body and then maybe have some more tools in our bag to help with mental health. I know you have a foundation uh, specifically designed to help people. You're looking to reform mental health, which is massive. So how do we start? How do we even go 
forward with that. Well, it is, it is, it is massive. I'm not trying to be anyone's own, you know, one solution. I, I, I do have a foundation. It's called the Mariel Hemingway Foundation. That was unique. Um, <laughs> I just thought, well, nobody's going to. It's got a nice ring to it. <laughs> and MH stands for mental health. So I thought that was cool. I started it because I want to be a resource navigator. I want to be the place that you can come and you can say, I live in Cincinnati, Ohio, and I want to know where to go for, you know, suicide prevention or a hotline or this or that or therapy or holistic approaches or whatever, right? Or a combination, right? A combination, right? I just want to give you the resources so that you can find the solution that suits you. Now, not everybody is going to go out earthing and what have you, but I want all of the all of this information to be on a website or a or a an app so that you have access to finding your solution, right? And it's unique to each and every person. And by the way, I think everybody suffers from a little bit of mental imbalance. I, mm-hmm. And I, that doesn't mean you're mentally ill, but it does mean we deal with grief. We deal with anxiety and fear because of a pandemic. We, we, deal, with, we deal with so many things. We lose money and we freak out. We're scared. You know, we, we deal with a lot of stuff just being human beings. You don't even have to have a mental illness and, and, and deal with mental imbalances. And people need to know that there's guidance out there. There's solutions for whatever is going on in your life. So I have taken on a kind of a daunting thing. I just want to raise enough money to create a website that has a tremendous amount of information in it. I've just started the foundation. It's new, 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 baby, baby. Yes. <laughs> just like my little my little podcast, which we've only done seven, seven episodes. But you, st- you have to start somewhere. And you have to yeah. say, hey, it's so interesting having started a foundation for the first time in my life. I found absolutely no issue asking for money for that, right? I'm saying, like, look, join us, donate to this so that you have a resource. This is your resource. This is your resource navigator. This is not about me, like, going, yeah, yeah, look at me. I just want the money so that I can create this um, so that people have access to, because people don't know what to do. They, they really don't. don't. You know, there's all kinds of different mental illnesses. Like, like you were saying, you know, I have body dysmorphia. That's yeah. a that's a mental imbalance. You know, eating disorder, me- mental imbalance, depression, anxiety. It's it's not just bipolar disorder, or it's here's not I the think big is, names. Yeah, here's what's interesting about this. I I was listening to. I don't know. I think it was a podcast that talked about, you see all the mass shooters, right? There's a lot of political kind of overtones with all of that. And so typically one side is saying with all these mass shooters, serial killers, whatever, we need to, we need to handle their mental illness. But what they found is with all these mass shooters, they aren't necessarily suffering from anything from the DSM, the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders. So- If they're not able to be categorized by anxiety, depression, whatever it is, uh, schizophrenia, bipolar, what they found is the common thread is that most of the time, these are people that have felt like they were cast out of society. They weren't, they didn't feel heard. They didn't feel, I'm I'm not taking a sympathetic, I'm taking more of a compassionate approach, I I guess, but. I I, I understand what you're saying. Yeah, but I think. I think the challenge here is that because it isn't diagnosed, you know, I think if there is any imbalance, any irregularity or any feeling like, like I've been really, really exploring this in my own life. I'm, I'm what's known as a highly sensitive person who happens to be an extrovert. It's like a 6% of the population is this. So I feel things on a really, really profound way and notice these subtleties. And there are a lot of times when, things that are kind of small may take me down. I'm thinking there's something imbalanced here. There's something I need to work through. And so a lot of people will say, I'd love to find a therapist, but 
insurance. I don't know who's good. I don't know who is going to just put me on some drugs. It's really hard. So how do you begin navigating that? What is your vision for this app or this, this foundation? Uh, my vision is to, again, just give you the options and then help guide you towards finding what option is going to be best for you. Uh, one, yeah. one thing I do know, your lifestyle choices are always going to make a difference. Those don't change. We all have to eat. We all have to exercise. We all have to drink water, breathe air, and take time to be silent or still, right? Those five, or there are seven things, you know, you also have Tell to me sleep. about the seven doctors. Uh, this is perfect because you, yes. you had done, so, in your podcast, Out, out Came the Sun, right? You have a book, Out Comes the Sun. Out, I had, I, no. Out Came the a, Sun. I know I have a, I have a book called Out Came the Sun and the, and okay. the podcast is Out, Com- Out Comes the Sun, so Out Comes the Sun, giving a sense of hope that the sun is coming. Yes, um, yes, yes, yes. But you talk about the that, seven. That only see darkness. I talk about the seven doctors because I think they're pivotal to creating mental balance, right? They're lifestyle choices. The seven doctors are Dr. Sun, Dr. Air, Dr. Water, Dr. Exercise, Dr. Nutrition, Dr. Earth and Dr. Rest. They are available 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And they're, you have total access to them at all times. And people don't realize that. So those doctors can help keep you from having to go to the guys with the, you know, the white coats um, and, and take something that may not be a solution. Now, it doesn't mean that you know, sometimes medication is a good kind of band-aid and, and it gives you a break from psychosis or tremendous mm-hmm. anxiety or deep depression. Um, but I think for the long-term solution, one has to look at the lifestyle choices. And some of the greatest, um, I've spoken around the country at, at many different um, uh, foundations that really do know the benefit of lifestyle and how, you know, what you do is just a cornerstone to finding your mental health and mental balance. But to think that there's one doctor and one pill and one this, one that, without you taking responsibility for how you show up in the world, I think it's like anything else. It's it's like having any disease. If you have heart disease, you have to eat differently, right? Why do we not think that when it comes to mental health, you don't have to change something in your life that is not working? You've got to find things that work work that work for you and that are healthy and balanced. And so I would, you know, it's negotiating all yeah. kinds of different things. I would love to talk about this for a minute because I know that those who are listening may feel this in their own life. And then you may think about your loved ones that may not be treating themselves well enough, right? Like you you see them suffering, you see them sick, and you're like, uh, put the pizza down. You know what I mean? Like you can you can leave the tub of ice cream. And I wonder about, you know, some of those are mindset. Like I think about my mother who really did struggle with depression and we're like, put it down, like go outside, go for a walk. And it just was so daunting for her. Like I think even just the depression. So I'm wondering about, it it can be frustrating when you can see this with a loved one. So how do you go about changing their mind? And I, I will say, even if you have a chance to kind of talk through it today or for a listener to go and listen to the episode on, on out came this out comes the sun podcast. Yes. Yes. Uh, One of these days I'll get it. I had most of the words, right. But there is an episode (laughs) on the seven doctors. And what I thought was so interesting about it is that there are practical reasons that literally changed my mind. Like even breathing. Yeah. No, no shit, right? Yeah, I need to breathe. <laughs> I should meditate <laughs> yeah. more. I think the no shit part is is the part that I'm kind of trying to address. But when you and your partner, is her name Michelle Yamaguchi? Is that right? Uh, um, Melissa. Melissa. Melissa, Melissa. My, my yeah. apologies. Um, but when you guys explained the benefits, it's like, 
oh, that makes more sense. It actually made it even more yes. accessible. Yes. How yes. do you address the well, no shit and I need to get up and do something? Well, you need to get up and do something. And when you when you think of somebody like your mother who was, you know, super overweight, what is the pain that she's covering up? What is yeah. that weight covering? What trauma caused her to say, I'm going to hide? Because part of, you know, like when it comes to mental health issues, a lot of it is a feeling of isolation, but also self-created isolation because of shame and mm -hmm. trauma that happened to you as a childhood. So that's why I'm a big believer in telling your story or finding a therapist or somebody that you feel safe with that you can dig in and really unravel, kind of dig out and find out what that story is so that that story no longer rules you. It can be set because free. When right. It's, right. When it's hidden inside, you can't let it go, right? Mm -hmm. But when you can start to address it, it doesn't mean it's miraculous, but it begin, that's the beginning of the solution. That's when you're able to free yourself. Because once you realize the story is a story, the trauma is in the past, it can no longer hurt you in this moment, then you can be begin to make different choices. Then you can say, oh, maybe I don't need that tub of ice cream. Maybe I can take a, a gentle, easy walk and just start slow. And it's not about shoulds and it's not about feeling bad or shamed about not having done it. Who cares? You're mm. always one moment away from making a better choice in your life, right? You can always make a good choice. You can always like in the next five minutes, make a good choice for your health and that and 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 be applauded for that or applaud yourself because it's the little things that we do i mean bobby and i sort of we're very male female when it comes to this he's like i'm going to take my guy friends out and i'm going to tie him to a tree and not let them eat the ones that are overweight i'm like well that's not really the best solution for a lot right. of people that <laughs> i know like women are like oh it's so daunting right and it can be overwhelming so if i say to somebody, if you want to change the way you eat, which, by the way, affects your brain, uh, change your breakfast or change the first meal of the day if you intermittent fast, which I happen to do, right? So you change that first amount of food or not amount, but necessarily the, the quality of the food. You change what it is that you eat and you see how you feel. And then all of a sudden at lunch or dinner, you go, I felt so good that I'm gonna make a different choice at dinner, right? It's, it's realizing that there is a constant choice. When you feel you have choice, it's kind of in the very beginning you said, I just feel like I need to be given permission to mm -hmm. take care of myself, to, to, to make me matter, right? Not in a selfish way, in a way that says, if I make me matter, then everybody around me becomes healthier. I think that's true, especially when you heal yourself is how you start to heal the culture. And I imagine yeah. you probably growing up, I don't know if it is in Hollywood, but in the Hollywood lifestyle, you know, did you see a change in the people that you surrounded yourself with as you changed? Um, yes, I think always when you change yourself, you see, I mean, certainly your family members change. Or they just see you differently. Or people that used to be kind of, you'd have a slightly toxic relationship or it wasn't healthy, they drop away. As you shift who you are and how you value yourself, relationships that no longer serve you just go away. You don't have to do anything, right? It's, and there's no sadness to it because you realize, oh, that really that relationship didn't feel good to me. And you also help heal that person. That person needs to go off and figure out their own stuff. But sometimes there's a codependent toxic thing that happens between certain people that when you start to take care of yourself, it enables them to go find their solution. But it's really about as you shift and become healthier, 
people around you get healthier. It's really interesting. So I never tell anybody, like, don't tell your mom, don't tell your kids what to do. Lead by example. Mm. If you want your kids to eat well, eat well. If you don't want them to drink, don't drink. If you don't want them to do certain things, don't do it yourself. We have to, I mean, we're, it's obvious, especially with children. They it's do very challenging with this. <laughs> yeah, that's a, I'm yelling that's at the kids one. to get all, you know, to close the screens yeah. while I'm, I'm texting <laughs> on Facebook or yeah. something. <laughs> it's, it's very challenging, but if you give yourself as a family, like, okay, I get it. We're all going to be on technology because that's just the way it is. But by eight o'clock or at dinner time, and then one hour after dinner time is over, that phone goes off, right? Everybody, all of us, we make a rule. It's either eight or nine o'clock and we just all turn it off, right? If we all make those limits, I think that that's important. Technology is not going to go away, but, but limiting it is a healthy and good thing to do. And you can do it. You can make it, you can just draw lines in the sand, right? Unless they're really well into their teenage years. That's a yeah, rough. that's that one I know is that. hard. I remember. Yeah. So what do you know that you wish other people could know? I wish that people would know that they're not alone. Right? I, I, I wish that they knew that their suffering is not only theirs. Right? And I don't mean to take away from their pain, but just to say you are not alone. There are so many people out there feeling exactly like you and they're confused too. And they're thinking that there's no solution, but there is, there's always a solution. Where do you go when you feel that way? If you feel so alone? You, I mean, for me, um, when I feel isolated and and alone, uh, I'm a big meditator. Uh, I meditate and I pray. Um, And... I also, you know, like exercise for me is huge. I ground, I exercise outside and I do cold plunges and saunas. I mean, there's a lot in, in lifestyle choices that can, you know, raise dopamine levels and, and adrenaline, which turns on dopamine receptors. And, and these are great things, but you got to know them. You got to be educated. I think just saying to somebody, look, there's a whole bunch of solutions out there, but you got to educate yourself. So let's start slow. Let's start here. Let's start with how you start your morning, right? Let's start with one of those seven doctors. Do you even know how to breathe well, right? Can you talk, you had a, you had a guest named Biet, right? Biet? Yes. Biet Simkin. Biet Simkin. She's amazing. She was a really great guest, and I think I think I was really blown away with the benefits of breathing, and whether it's breathing like through your nose has like actually gives you energy. Can you talk for a second about that? Because I thought that was really profound. Absolutely, breath is. You can go for several days without eating. You can go for a few days without water but you can't go but a few minutes without breathing, right? So breath is so incredibly important. Breath is life, right? And in all kind of spiritual practices, breath is such a powerful, like you take three inhales and exhales, it changes the way that you think, right? So if you learn how to breathe, that's a great way to find mental balance, but it just is so profound. Breath is so amazing at changing the way you, it gives you energy. It changes the way you're perceiving things. And it, that's why they, you know, you see every show that you see, somebody's having an anxiety attack and they're like, take a deep breath, right? Yeah. There's logic to that though, especially nasal breathing. I think people don't realize how important it is to breathe through our nose. It's this incredible it's almost like an organ, the nose. The breathing through the nose is a really powerful place. And a friend of ours, Bobby and myself, we have a friend named Zach Bush, and he has this thing called Ion Biome, which is a it's a nutrient for the microbiome. 
but he also start, he believes that the microbiome starts in in the nose, starts in the navel, nasal cavities, in the sinuses, and goes into the gut, right? So all of these things are connected. Our nose is incredibly important, and breathing through it, because be it showed me this breathing exercise, and she was doing it through her mouth, and I called her back. This was a couple of years ago, and I called her back, and I said, I hope it's okay, but I. I work on breathing through my nose only. So I did all your exercises through my nose and I found it to be more powerful for me. It was, you know, more beneficial. And she was great. She was like, babe, whatever gets you there. <laughs> right? <laughs> because, because she's such a, she knows the power of breath and how it can really transform you and take you to another level of kind of frequency. And that's like woo-woo talk for where you are presently in the scope of, I don't know, <laughs> of energy or something. I think, it, I think it's more, I think people are starting to awaken to maybe a blend of the more data scientific facts and then partner with some of the woo-woo stuff that maybe there is right. some truth to it both coexisting yeah. and not. And I think that having more of a holistic approach to it. I think what's great about it is that some level of peace or comfort is available through those seven doctors, like immediately, whether it's breath, yes. whether it is going outside. And what I'm hearing from this conversation is they're really small movements, but just committing yes. to one tiny one first and seeing what can this open up for you? How can this feel better? Just noticing maybe a slight change in your mood. You know, yeah, I always tell my, I have a nine-year-old and a seven-year-old. I'm in my nine-year-old's bedroom, as you can see. That's where I operate my Such podcast out room. of. I know. <laughs> um, he's a lucky kid, I guess. He's like, get out of here, mom. But, um, uh, you know, I tell them all the time, breathe if they hurt themselves or if they're frustrated, like breathe through your pain, breathe through the discomfort. And so they're learning. They're like, I still don't feel good. Just keep breathing. You you will. It will naturally calm your nervous system. So it's what I love about the messages and the mission that you're doing is that it immediately gives you peace and they're tiny things that, um, that are yeah. accessible. And that is powerful. Yes. Yeah. That's, that's what powerful. I love about the seven doctors because they're deep and profound, but at, at the same time, super simple, right? Looking yeah. at a sunrise or a sunset, getting sunlight in your eyes at the beginning of the day or at the end of the day, incredibly important. Just, hmm. it's like amazing. Changes your eyesight. It, it helps you with sleep. It helps you with the circadian rhythm. Drinking good water, that, that should be so basic. We should all be doing that, but we don't, right? We don't drink water. We drink, oh, you know. I remember my mother said, I drink a lot. I drink a lot of coffee. I have a lot of tea. I was like, lots Mom, of liquids. <laughs> yeah, I have like a, lots of liquids. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's educate, but you know, my mother wasn't a stupid person, but it's like we are not educated on the simple things of life that keep us in balance. And it doesn't mean you have to do them all the time, but it does mean if you're aware of them, it's going to shift you. If you make yeah. a point of of your lifestyle being that important to you, it's going to it's just going to change your life because you I see I see my life is super exciting. I think that this journey is amazing. I'm 60 years old. I feel like I'm I mean, Bobby says 60 is the new 30. I literally feel like I'm 30 on the beginning of my You still look like you're 30. <laughs> You well, look God like you're 30. You. Oh, <laughs> I appreciate that. Uh, good lighting. Um, <laughs> honestly, I do take very good care of myself. And, and it is important for me to look good, but look good from the inside kind yeah. of out, right? If I can't do what's right in here, then out here is not going it, to. It really reveals how you're taking care of yourself. I really believe that. And I really believe that that's a choice for everybody. It's not like, oh, you've got good genetics and whatever. Yes, I do have good genetics, but I also have some pretty messed up ones, right? Yeah. They all went down. My grandfather was 61 years old 
when he took his life in 1961, right? He looked 180. <laughs> and the, you know, like he was so, you know, he was living a hard, hard life. That Those are lifestyle choices and those are my genetics. But I say, no, I want to change that. Even though he was an incredibly great looking man in that way because he was grizzled and, you know, fabulous. And that's how we see him. But I think, God, he was my age when he wow. died and he literally, yeah. you know, white beard, white hair. He went through so much trauma and, you know, it was a different time. There was not this knowledge of, yeah. of how we can care for ourselves and how that affects the brain. I think what, what is fascinating about you and what is inspiring about you is, is breaking the generational trauma, breaking that, that you have a choice that you feel better. And I wonder yeah. how many people have kind of given up or just assume this is just who I am, where I am. And even like watching your documentary about Margot, your sister, that she idolized your grandfather and just almost wanted to be like that fun party girl and that person that was going to party hard. And it got her, you know, like it just got her in a different way. And I think, um, I think it takes a tremendous amount of courage to maybe go a different path and giving accessible tools that are easier or simpler to implement just little by little chipping away makes such a big impact. Yeah. And for that, I'm really grateful for you sharing your story with my audience. How can people contribute to the Mariola Hemingway Fund or get in touch with you? Absolutely. So the Mariel Hemingway Foundation, it's Mariel, M-A-R-I-E-L, Hemingway, H-E-M-I-N-G-W-A-Y, foundation.org. And you can go there and you can donate. You can donate through Zelle, through, you know, Venmo or whatever. And I promise you that whatever funds you give us will go towards either, you know, keeping the podcast going, but also trying to create an app and a, and a website where I, I can really give people, not me, I will have tech, technology people that will figure this out. <laughs> we'll find all the greatest solutions, but I have done a tremendous amount of research and I have a lot of information that I want to share with people. So I'd love for you to do that. You can also follow me on at Mariel Hemingway. Um, on Instagram, Twitter, or the Mariel Hemingway official fan page, which is me. <laughs> There's no secret person doing any of it. It's just me. <laughs> I love it. Well, thank you so much, Mariel. What, oh, uh, what an extreme pleasure. pleasure to have you on. Thank you so much for having me. I really, really am grateful. Um, can we talk about it, how excited I am that I got to have Mariel Hemingway on my podcast? And because of her significant contributions to reform mental health over, over the years, I have been trying to get her on this show for such a long time. She is truly a culture changer and up to such magnificent things. You can donate to the Mariel Hemingway Foundation and listen to her podcast, Out Comes the Sun, on your favorite podcast player. I've linked all of her info in the show notes. And if something really connected with you from this episode, please shoot her a DM and thank her. And also, send me a note at allison at allisonhair.com. I've linked all my info in the show notes. You know I love to hear from listeners. If you'd like to get these episodes ad-free and early, go to patreon.com forward slash culture changers. Thanks for listening and I'll see you next time.